your ticket today. Don't forget before you leave uh, to pick that up. Also, talking about inviting, uh, does anybody know what next week is? Hey, this service is more awake than the second one. I'm not saying they weren't, weren't there, but uh, it took them a little bit. Uh, I'm, uh, it's Easter next Sunday, and so uh, we have invite cards. They should be on your seat, and we have more available out in the lobby, so don't stop at one. Uh, you know, put them on your desk, uh, take them to school, uh, put them on your person somewhere, and hand them out uh, this week. Uh, many people will decide what they're going to do. Just a fact. And uh, I heard a statistic that 80% of people who are invited to church will go. That's huge. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. Uh, so that means we got to get out there and do it. We got to get out there this week and make sure we do all we can uh, because somebody's life could be changed next Sunday, just like any Sunday, just like this morning. Some people will be changed and uh, we'll see baptisms the next two weeks of lives changed, transformed by the power of the living Jesus uh, who is alive forevermore. So uh, be sure and get the word out this week, social media, whatever, leverage everything you've got uh, for the kingdom of God, and I know God's going to use it. Uh, next Sunday, we kick off a new series, too. Uh, I'm going to start the resurrection story from the book of Acts. Okay, you may not know this, but that's how it starts. Uh, the book of Acts talks about the resurrected Jesus, and we're going to start there, and then the next week, we're going to move a little further into the book of Acts, and then the third week, final week, we'll wind up in chapter two and, um, of, of the book of Acts, and so it may be a short series, but it'll be powerful, all right, because if you've never read the first two chapters of the book of Acts, it's some crazy stuff, all right, and it's starts with the resurrection, and uh, then it goes on from there. So don't miss the next three weeks. The series is called Life's About to Get Good, all right? And it is about to get good. So today we're wrapping up a series. If you're new to Crossroads, we kind of go through series. Sometimes we're in one book, uh, like the book of Acts, for the next three weeks. This month and the month prior, we have been seven weeks in the book of Matthew talking about the parables of Jesus, like Matt said. So we've been going through, and hopefully, I know this series has been a little deep, and we've been digging into these parables and, and pulling them out because a lot of people trip up over these stories. And I've talked to numerous people over years of being in ministry where they're just like, I don't understand. Now, I got that one, I think. You know, and I don't even know what he was talking about there. And so what Jesus tried to do is he tried to tell stories that would stick, uh, stories that would make sense, not just to us 2,000 years later, but remember, he was talking to people then. And so uh, we'll see this again today, how his parables would have meaning right then, but then also for us today. And so today, again, we're going to look at a parable. It's the last one that Matthew tells, and then he moves on to the crucifixion after this. 
and starts talking about uh, how Jesus died on the cross, and we're going to celebrate that in a few moments with communion. But uh, before we get there, chapter 25, Matthew, uh, let me just set this up. Have you ever noticed people and said, man, they are gifted? Have you ever thought that about somebody else? You're, you're like, man, they just like ooze giftedness, you know? And sometimes what happens is we get caught up in the, the, the gift and we don't realize the grind that it took to have that gift. I heard a story, I guess it's true, uh, this guy said a, a professional golfer was out and he was hitting this, this ball, and you know how they have a rope behind them and they'll have the people, the, the gallery or whatever is back behind, and, and so this guy hits this ball and it's just like a perfect shot, and he's walking back uh, to his bag with his club, and as he is, he hears this guy behind the rope say, I wish I could hit a ball like that. And I don't know, it just struck this guy on the wrong day. And he said, no, you don't. Because let me tell you something. When I don't hit a ball like that, and I hit a bad ball, then I make up for it by hitting a thousand balls until my hands are bleeding. And then I go into the clubhouse and I wrap my hands up and I come back out and hit a thousand more. So no, sir, you don't want to hit a ball like that. Right? See, we, we see somebody do something great and we don't realize the grind that it took to be great. We don't realize what was involved. But see, God Put a deposit into everyone. We're going to see this in this story. He put a deposit into everyone. Now, not the same deposit, but, but he gave one something, and he gave someone else something, and he gave someone else something, and it's different, and, and some have more, and some have less. But he, the point is, you're supposed to develop what he deposited and, and see, I, I'm concerned that there could be some people here that haven't developed what he deposited. And this whole story that Jesus is going to tell that we're going to see here is all about a word. Let me give it to you. Stewardship. All right? And the Bible is just full of stewardship. And, and, and not just the Bible, but here at Crossroads, I believe it's a part of discipleship. I, I believe a part of being a disciple of Jesus is being a good steward of what Jesus has given you. And, and so to do that, uh, you, you've got to steward things. So here's, here's how stewardship works. Is all that I am and all that I have belongs to him. Do you feel that way? All that I am and all that I have belongs to him. And it's one thing to believe that and it's another to act upon it. And so what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to make the most of what we have. 
And, and so I want to help you today to make the most of what you have. To make the most of what God has put inside of you. And I want to get this right. So I've got it here. And I'm just going to read it to you. Because I I really feel like this, this is just the message today. Is what you do with what you have is a lot about who you are. Do I need to say that again? (laughs) What you do with what you have says a lot about who you are, all right? And so one day, we're going to be called before God, and it's going to be about what you've done with what you have to be who you are, and he's going to reward that. And so we're going to see that in this story. So Matthew 25, if you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screen. It's printed in your notes as well. Here's what Jesus says. Again, again, like I have been telling this for a while now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like I have told some stories, and I have been trying to get this across, So here comes, Matthew would say, Matthew would say, and here comes one more, all right? And then we're moving on to the resurrection. We're moving on to the crucifixion. But he says, again, the kingdom of God's what we're talking about. Not so we can get a kingdom mentality, not the kingdom of this world that's going to pass away, right? Not not that kingdom. I don't want to be caught up in a kingdom that's going to pass away, but in a kingdom that will never pass away. And so he says that kingdom is going to be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Think about that. And and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Now let me just stop here because I, I looked at several translations and I'm using the word talent. I actually stuck it in there because uh, I, I looked at several translations this week and trying to come up with the one to share, and I really didn't like any of them, all right, when it came to this word, exactly, because the most literal translation, and some use this word, is talent, but we look at that word wrong, because we, we think, well, you know, you're talented to play the piano or whatever. We look at it that way, but that's not the way they referred to it in ancient times. When Jesus is speaking this, and, and this will make sense later when he talks about depositing it in the bank, he was talking about money, monetary things, which Jesus talked a ton about money. Uh, he talked about money more than he talked about heaven. And I think it's because he knew money would keep some people out of heaven. And so he talked about it a lot. So, so he talks about it, and then he says he had these talents, and he gave one five talents, one two talents, one one talent. Now let me explain to you that in research, I did the research for you. Say thank you, all right? So, so uh, I did the research for you. And here's what talent meant in ancient times. It meant 16 plus years of money, of income, okay? 16. So I don't know what you make a year, but, but 16 times over, that was just one talent. So when you look at this guy who received one talent And you think, oh, that poor guy. No. 
Don't feel sorry for this one guy, <laughs> all right? Because he got 16 years plus of income given to him at once. And then the other guy, two. And the other guy, five times that. So this master is giving out incredible riches, incredible wealth. He is making an investment into the lives of these individuals. And Jesus is wanting his audience that's standing there in front of him to realize, hey, Jewish people, God did a lot for you. Uh, as I recall, he split a sea in half, walked you across on dry ground, brought you into a land that you didn't deserve, into a bunch of people that you couldn't outfight, but he fought your battles for you and gave you victory over them and gave you a land you didn't earn. And he was just warming up when he did all that. And then he sent me. God in a bod, hello? I am right here, right now, doing miracles and showing you the love, the power of God right before your very eyes, and you're missing it. You're not doing anything about it. And to us today, hey, 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 has God done anything for you? I mean, you know, he's liberated you from your sin. He's freed you. Maybe he's healed you. He's delivered you. You know what? What other power couldn't do, God did in your life. God's done miracles. He's answered prayer. And if you're here, sitting here today, and you're saying, well, no, he didn't done anything for me. I kind of did it all by myself, you know, I, self-made and whatever. Let me ask you, who gave you that computer that sits in your cranium? right now who gave you that amazing gift who gave you the ability to see and to be able to do figures at work to be able to design things to be able to build things with your hands who gave you the breath in your lungs who allows you to even be here today you're a living, breathing miracle of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a miracle. You're a miracle. All right, singles, you, I hope you sat by the right person, all right? So, so Jesus is saying, hey, hey, you've been given a lot. And then, and, and then look at what it says. Look at what it says. It says, each one of them was given this according to his ability because God knows what you can handle. See, he, you'll see this later why he gave that guy five. And you'll see why he gave this one guy two. And you'll see why he gave this one guy one. Because he knows us and he knows our capacity and then he went on his journey. And the man who had received five talents, look at this, he went at once. Everybody say at once. He went at once and put his money to work 
and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. That's all he did. And after a long time, I mean, he's been gone a long time, right? Been gone a long time. When's he ever coming back? Is he ever coming back? Man, it's been forever, Jesus says. After a long time, oh, he came back. He came back. And the master of those servants returned, and, and he did what any good master would do. He settled accounts. How, let me check in. Any, any good manager is going to check in, right? Any, any good manager is going to do this. And so he checks in with them. And the man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, and I, I think he's grinning. I think he's loving it. He says, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more talents. And the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Come on into my kingdom because I'm going to put you in charge now. Now notice this. Some people don't get this. Now you're going to get in charge of some real stuff, right, in my kingdom. And he says, come on in and share your master's happiness. And the man with two talents also came. Master, you entrusted me with the two talents. See, I've gained two more talents. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Notice this, notice this. The one guy brought back five The one guy brought back two. They each get the same commendation. See, see, it's not like, well, you didn't do as well as the guy with five. He brought back five. No. No, see, the the point is not what you had. It's what you did with what you had. See, it's that you put it to work. And so instead of comparing to the other person, he gives a commendation to both of them the same. And then he says, because you've been faithful over a few, I'm going to put you in charge of some stuff up here too in my kingdom. So come and share in your master's happiness. And then the man, now here's where the soundtrack changes, right? You ever watch those movies? Where I was like, somebody about to get stabbed, you know? <laughs> somebody about to jump out or something, you know? That's when I want to turn the sound down, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, some of you plug your ears, oh, it's coming, it's coming. And, and, and that's what's happening here. He says, and then, everybody say then. Then the man who had received one talent came. Now, he's not as excited. Uh, He said, Master, I knew that you were... Oh, oh, good. He's got an excuse. That's going to make it all better, right? How many of you are parents? (laughs) Need I say more? Oh, you got an excuse. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
See, he had an excuse. And he says, I knew you were a hard man. Now, that word for hard is a root word, is the same root word where we get sclerosis. So what he's saying is, is you're a hardened man. You're a man who just seems like you get harder all the time. You're just so hard. You're, just, you're cold-hearted. You're so cold-hearted, he says, that you, you even try to reap where you haven't sown. Not only are you hard, but you're unfair. That's what you are. Nobody in here ever calls God unfair, right? Never done that. Never said, God, you don't care. You know, and, and, and so that's what this guy's doing. And, and he says, so, here, here, here's the big one. I was afraid, so I hid it. That's what it was. And man, I don't know about you, but that's a great excuse, isn't it? Because that's the same one you use when you don't do stuff. You know, that's the same one I've used before when I don't want to do stuff. I said, well, you know, God says, hey, 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 you feel like something. Go hand that person one of those crossroads cards. Well, what if they don't want it? What if they yell at me or something? What if they, I, I'm afraid to give them a card. Or, or hey, hey, we need some volunteers to serve and, and give back. And man, you'll get so much out of it. And we think, oh man, I'd like to do that. But you know, I have a temptation to get so overcommitted. So therefore, I just won't do anything. So I'll let somebody else do that. Or, or we feel like, oh, wow, you know, that tithe challenge and all, maybe I, maybe I should step up. I, I really feel like that's what God's saying in his word, I, I should tithe and all. But, you know, I, I, if I give, I don't know that I'll receive. I don't know if I can trust that, that I'll still be okay. And so, therefore, you know, I, I'm, I'm afraid to let go of this. See, see, we use the same thing. I, and, and I wonder how fear has held you back. I wonder how much fear has played into keeping you back from doing all that you could do. I remember when I was a kid, and, and I was afraid of roller coasters, you know? Any one of them that was hiring about this, you know? If it had a hill higher than this, you know, I didn't really care to get on it. And, and so I avoided them for a long time. And then ultimately, I, I had to go on one. You know, everybody I knew was getting on. I wasn't going to be the chicken or whatever and, and all. And so I, I'll get on it. And, and so I thought, well, here we go. I may die, you know, but I, I think I'm going to heaven. So I think, I'll, you know, at least I got that going for me. And so, so I get on this thing and it takes off and it's going, you know, felt like 90 miles an hour, 190 miles an hour. And, 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 all, and I got off that thing. And I got back in line, yeah. <laughs> and I did that five times in a row. Because I found out 
what I had been missing all the time. Fear had held me back. And fear can hold you back. But hang on. That's really not this guy's problem. It's a smokescreen. And the master is so sharp, he sees right through the smokescreen. And he's like, mm, that's a good story. But really, he calls him wicked and lazy is really the issue. In other words, it's this word, apathy. See, I, I, I just don't care to do anything. I don't, at least I don't care enough. I, I say I care, but I evidently don't care enough to do something about it. You know, I don't care enough to change my life. I don't care enough to go ahead and, and jump in there. And, and so this guy, don't you just hate it when people call you out? He, he just calls him out. And he says, no, 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 no. Let's clear this up. You are a wicked, lazy servant. And then he goes on and he says, so. And I think Jesus, when he's telling this, gets a little smirk, all right? It's kind of, you know. So, you knew that I was hard and so mean so unfair. If you really believed that, then what are you doing digging a hole in your yard and burying it in your yard? Why didn't you at least walk down the street to the bank and deposit it in a safer place than a hole in the yard if it's my money? And I would have at least gained interest on it but instead, you didn't even leave your yard. You didn't even walk down the road. You didn't care at all about my kingdom. You didn't care anything about what really belonged to me, to which some of us might say, whoa, 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 calm down. You know, uh, I mean, you know, he did bring it back. You know, after all, he didn't lose it. You know, it's not lost. Uh, he brought it back. Aren't you a little overreacting there? No, no, no. Let me ask you. Did he bring back what he owed the master? Uh-uh. Because he didn't just owe him what he gave. He owed him the potential of what he gave. You see, when God puts a deposit in you, it's a God-honoring deposit. It's something that takes you out of yourself to a greater self. It's, it's something that can multiply what you have. And instead of five things, you have ten things. Instead of two things, you have four things. It can multiply if you'll just let it go. If you'll just use it. If you'll just release it. And, and so the master is saying, I don't want just the talent. I wanted the increase of the talent. He was looking for a profit. In other words, 
God hasn't called us to sustain what he's given. He's called us to steward what he's given to us. And when we fail to steward what he's entrusted, listen to this, we rob God of the glory that he would receive. See, see, when I say, oh, you know, should I witness to this person? Oh, I'm afraid, you know, oh, uh, I'm a busy person, you know, I got my life to live, and I'm sure somebody will reach out to them or whatever, and, and we pass that person by, or we say, oh, I'm sure somebody will volunteer and teach children about Jesus uh, every week, and they'll figure out Jesus somehow, you know, uh, my gosh, they got to have parents or something, you know, they'll teach them something, and, and so somehow they'll get it, and, and you know, somebody will wave out there in the parking lot on cold days in April when it ought to be February or whatever. Um, but, you know, somebody could get out there in a coat and wave and, and introduce people to Jesus by a smile and all as soon as they walk, drive on to the, to the property. And somebody could do that. And, and what we do is, is listen, when we don't witness, when we don't do something, when we don't reach out and all, it's not just about the person we don't reach. Although I cannot overemphasize how important every person is. He'll leave the 99 to go after one that's lost. So I can't overemphasize that, but neither can I overemphasize the glory we give to God when we release our gift when we release what God has deposited into us, when we begin to use it, we use it for his glory because people know you're not that good, right? Hello. I mean, they realize that. And so what happens is he says says to the servant, hey, hey, just take this guy out. You know, if I'm so wicked, if I'm so mean, if I'm so whatever, I'm all that. I guess you don't want to be around me anymore. So just take this guy and take him out. And Matthew uses terminology that he evidently heard more than one time and take him to a place where there's gnashing of teeth and and, and there's endless turmoil away from me. Because he doesn't want to be around me. In other words, Jesus is saying, this guy proved who he really was. See, he, he proved by not doing who he really was. Now, Craig, are you saying that we're saved by our works? That somehow if I do stuff, then I'll get into heaven? No, friend. Because the Bible says we're not saved by our works lest any one of us could boast about it. And God said, I'll do the boasting. You couldn't do jack, all right? You couldn't do anything. You couldn't inherit all of this. You couldn't come into my presence. It's not about you. And as a matter of fact, it's to prove how much you need me. I'm coming down there by myself and putting on flesh myself, and I'm going to die a sacrificial death for you, but I'll rise from the dead to prove that I have victory over sin, death, the devil, and hell itself. That's how you got saved. But, 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 get this. 
James, hang on. James, the brother of Jesus, which that just blows my mind. What would it take for your brother to convince you that he's the son of God? I think if he rose from the dead, that would do it. I don't know about you. But when, when Jesus rose from the dead, James went from he's a lunatic to he's Lord. <laughs> he, he's not insane. He's the Savior. That's who he is. So James says, I'm going to get excited there. But James says, James says, you prove your faith by your works. He says, when, when I got saved, I wanted to do something. I, I wanted to get involved. I, I wanted to do, see, it's like if a person's sick in, in the hospital and they get medicine and, and that medicine goes into their body and then all of a sudden they start walking through the hospital. They weren't walking before, they were just laying there. And they start eating and doing other things. Let me tell you something. Did the walking and the eating heal them? No. No, the medicine is what started it, right? And see, when you were lost and undone without God or his son, and you had no hope and no ability to pay for your own sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that you who are filled with sin could be filled with grace and be forgiven totally, completely, once and for all. And, and so he did that for you. That was the medicine. See, that, that was the medicine. And when you took that... You became a new creation in Christ Jesus. And then you start walking. Then you start doing stuff. Then you start moving out into all these things. So you, you, you get diligent with your deposit and it leads to your destiny. See, people want the benefit without the burden and then we get into envying what other people have and, and, and instead of worrying about what we do have. Because it doesn't matter whether you're a one, one talent, two talent, or five talent. Just take what you've got and use it for his glory. Right? Let me give you three takeaways real quick and then we'll wrap this up. Three takeaways. First of all, take inventory. This week, just think about, has he done anything for you lately? <laughs> you know, I mean, my goodness. If you just make a list of all that he's done, just, just this past week, if you just think about all those, those things you didn't earn, that you didn't deserve, thank God he didn't give you last week what you deserved, or you wouldn't be here today. <laughs> you wouldn't be here. See, I remember going around uh, houses at Halloween. Anybody remember that? Now, if you say, ooh, uh, Pastor Craig, I didn't know you celebrated Halloween as a kid. Okay, you don't judge me, I won't judge you, okay? <laughs> just, can we just do that? Okay, so, so my mom liked me all, you know, suited up, funny-looking 
cute clothes, and, and I liked wearing capes and different things, and so uh, I'd go to houses, and I'd have this mask on. I could be pretty bold with a mask on, come on, and, and so I come to the house and, with the mask on, I say, trick or treat, hold my bucket out, and, and they throw some candy in there, and I go to the next house, and on. I don't know if half the time the adults even knew where I was, you know, it, it was a different day and age, all right, so we just, I think they'll come home soon, you know, I don't know, they're out here somewhere, is that him? No, that's not him, you know. And, and so anyway, so I'd come home. The big deal was coming home and coming into the living room and dumping out the bucket, right? And, and, and I'd go through, and I, I don't know what you were looking for, but I was looking for some Milky Way, you know? And I was like, because oh, back in the day, I, I was all about Milky Way. And, and so I moved up to Snickers and stuff now, but, you know, I, I was looking for Milky Way, and I was separating, and all. who gives a kid an apple, you know? <laughs> an orange, get rid of that, you know? And I, I'd pick through it, and then we'd do some trading, you know, and, and I'd give you five of these for one of those and whatever, and, and things like that. And, and let me tell you something. Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to just dump out and just think, what has the Lord given me? Mm. What treasures has he blessed me with? What abilities, what, what things has he put in my life? that I could use for him. Second thing is take action on it. I heard about a preacher who bought a field and it had, it had tumbleweeds all over it and it had a dilapidated house and it had a dilapidated barn and he had a vision for it and he got out there, began to get all the tumbleweeds out, began to clean it up, began to work on the house, began to work on the barn, got all restored and all looking good and everything. Somebody came by and said, preacher, man, you and God, you really did some great work here. This is awesome. And he says, yeah, but you should have seen it when God had it by himself. <laughs> See, I, here, here's the thing. When God gives a gift, he expects you to use it. He expects you to grow it. He expect, see, when God gives a gift, it comes like with a sticker on it that says, some assembly required. You, you got to put some effort in it. You got to do some practicing. You, you've got to leverage it and you've got to work it out. And, and as you do, as you work it out, then God gets glory out of it. See, God gets glory when that life group comes into your living room and meets Jesus on Sunday night or Monday night or whatever night, whatever afternoon, whenever it happens, when, when those people come and invade your living room and the presence of Jesus is in that living room, let me tell you something, God gets glory out out of it. When you are volunteering on Sunday and you're out there freezing your whatever uh, and you know waving at people and, 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 on, and wishing them well and praying blessing over them. Oh God let that person meet Jesus today or be touched by Jesus. You don't know you're getting prayed over right before you, you come in. You're just turning in. You just think you're turning in. No you're getting blessed out there. And, and so and, and so then when that happens see, see God 
is getting glory out of that. When you share Jesus with children and help them to encounter the living Jesus who is their hope, who can hold them through every storm of life that will come their way, then you are giving glory to God, right? Am I right? So listen, if you're going to grow this year, you're going to have to commit yourself to it. And that means you, you got to go to on-ramp. You can't just hear about it. You, you got to join a life group. You can't just say, I think that's a good idea. You, you've got to listen. You've got to study. You've got to take notes when you come to... You've you got to listen, re-listen to the podcast sometimes. So you can get it and download it into your memory bank because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing it over and over in your mind. I got I to end it here. So here's the last one is take a bow. Take a bow. Because at the end, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. And I don't know about you. Those are some words that I've heard about for a long, long time. And I appreciate it when people like after first service came up and said, this series has meant so much to me. You have no idea. When somebody says, oh, you know, I don't know. I had one guy, he said, I don't know if people tell you enough, but I want to tell you today. And it was a little uncomfortable. He's just looking at me right in the eye, you know. He says, but I want you to know today, and every Sunday, you bless me and you touch me when I'm here. And I appreciate all that, but it pales. Mm. It pales in comparison with the thought of one day the voice that spoke the seas into existence. The voice that cried out, let there be light. The voice that woke Lazarus up from the grave. The voice that one day will call every saint up to himself into his presence. That that voice will one day say, I I trust me. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Right? Oh, how many want to hear that voice, right? You're ready. I want to hear that voice. I want to hear him say it. I want to hear him speak it to me. Father in heaven, we thank you that one day we have that hope. One day, just like you rose, all saints will stand before you. God, we want to hear those words, well done. Whether we're a one talent or a two talent or a three talent or a five talent, what, ten talent, whatever talent, God, we just want to be faithful with what we've got. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I want to do better. I, I know I'm not saved by what I do, but because I'm saved, I want to do more. Because he's forgiven me. Because he's liberal, because my life will never, ever be the same again. I want my undying breath 
to always be about his work, his kingdom. I want to leverage every moment, every opportunity. I want to use it for his glory. How many shoot a hand up and say, yeah, that's me. That's me. I want it all for him, all for his glory, all about him. Father in heaven, you see every hand that's raised. God, use us. Some of us, God, we discount what we have. We, we think, well, I've just got one talent. Oh, if we'd use it, God, what it could do and how it could grow. So God, help us to do that this week. Maybe others are here, like in first service. And you'd have to say, Craig, I think I identify more with the third guy that's not going to hear those words. There's something in me that I feel like is missing. I don't feel connected to God. And I think one day when I stand before him, it's not going to be welcome in. And, and I want to change that. I want to change my eternal destiny. And friend, that's what you're doing today. If you just commit to him. And it's not about what you do. It's what he's done for you. And if you just accept it right now, I guarantee you he will do for you what he's done for so many people in this room. He will forgive you, wash you, cleanse you, and make you new, give you a new start. And if you'd like that new start right here, right now, just shoot your hand up right now and just say, yeah, that's me, I need it. Yes, I see the hand. Yes, back there, God bless you. A couple of people over here, God bless you. Back there, God bless you. Over here, God bless you. Waving at me, God bless you. All right, hands around the room. So let's just pray this prayer. Crossroads family, just pray it out. Just say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me, to pay for my sin. I know I've sinned, but I want to start over. So from this day forward, as much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for accepting me as a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody. Doesn't get any better than that. Listen, we're going to take communion together. And, and for some of you,